0: Football is around the corner, and we are ramping it up over here on the Ringer NFL feed in the month of August. Every week, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you not one, but two extra point takens. That's right, double the trouble as we predict, debate, and analyze our way through camp and the preseason every Monday and Friday. But that is not all. Stephen Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Wednesday. We'll talk about everything in the world of the NFL. And who knows, maybe Steven will even have something nice to say about your favorite squad. Though, frankly, I wouldn't count on it. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Ringer NFL.
1: It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA finals starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app.
2: Folks, basketball is so very, tremendously, just spectacularly good all time, at all times of the year, even during the off season when it's quiet, there's something to talk about. And I don't really ever really need a reason to talk to this guy just because I I enjoy shooting the breeze with him so, so much. I'm joined by known Nick Collison Zealot. He's a takesmith. He's been called the electric seamster. He's the postmodern <laughs> McMurtry. He goes oh, by many dear. names, but please but stop. General <laughs> General Muser. Oh, <laughs> Tyler please. Parker. Tyler, it's good to see you, man. I mean, I haven't laid eyes on you in a while. I feel like the last time we saw each other, we were watching like some really a big stinker of a summer league game. I feel like that's the last time we saw each other, right? Did you make it out of Vegas? What you been up to lately, man?
0: Yeah, no, I made it out by the skin of my teeth. Yeah, it would, we, Yeah, the the last time I was around you was up in the nosebleeds, up in the rafters of Thomas and Mac, sneaking uh, pretzels and beer. I think, but it is it is good to be here. It's good to see your uh, your lovely shining face once more, and uh, to talk about these Hall of Fame inductees, these legends of the game. Kyle, are you excited to discuss the legends of the game?
2: I like having a backward face. You know, I'm a guy who embraces history. You know, I think it's important that we understand the history of buff. basketball.
0: I think you're a buff about history.
2: So that we don't repeat our mistakes, right? You know, <laughs> it's that serious.
0: We got to know our yee-gee Anlans so that we may avoid them in the future. Is that what you're oh, saying? Oh,
2: for sure. Oh, for sure. I understand. That guy was physically pretty impressive. I think you have to admit. I mean, if you if you just like did like... The eye test with him, it's like I mean that guy looks like a player. I mean he's he's huge. I don't totally. Know, but- I, mean,
0: I think if I think if you're a chair, he's a nightmare. You know what I mean? I think once you enter movement into the equation, things do start to get a little hairy. But you know, I think if he's if he can go if he can go uh, you know one on no, he's. <laughs> He's where looking does, pretty salty.
2: Where does he rank in like chair rivalries? I mean, if you think about chair dynamics, you've got you know Clint Eastwood in the chair during that one famous speech. You've got uh, Bobby e. Knight's. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Knight. Knight's
0: definitely anti-chair for sure. In terms of chair yeah,
2: duos, I, yeah,
0: I think you got to put him up there at the top. You know, I don't want to just sit here and say that I've given a ton of thought to you know chair duos. So I would like to, you know, commit to looking at this for about an hour after the call so that we can, and then we can uh, sort of circle back. But I mean, the Clint poll is a strong one. That's still one of the most inexplicably stupid things I think that I've ever seen. (laughs) And that it happened at all is, I just think a testament to the things that we'll tell famous people yes to, you know what I mean? Like, okay, sure. You're going to do what now? You want to talk to a chair?
2: I, did he plan that? I don't think that he did. But you know, we're big on we're big on like ranking builds at the ringer now. We're big on, you know, having these living sites. I I'm gonna send an email. I'm gonna send a few emails and see if we can get that one made. Speaking of history, you know, I was I was pretty amused with Bob Cousy. I love that at 95 years old he was talking about playing a child's game. I just I like these guys that get to the end of all this and they're like, Yeah, this is bullshit pretty much, you know. Yeah. Uh.
0: <laughs> he might be in a diaper now, so maybe that's what he's saying. You know what I mean? I mean, it might be it might be a, like a depends sort of situation for him, and so he's really hearkening How back to you. a simpler time. You know, no, look, I'm not I'm not trying to upset the coups. I know that he gets pissy if people get <laughs> if people take shots at him or people of his generation. What with all those plumbers going on, you know. But when I hear the name Bob Kuzi, I think a really small guy dribbling very fast with his right hand and i don't mean that he's moving fast i mean that he's taking there are many dribbles like the mm-hmm. the like it's a, like a, it's a speed speed dribbles with the right hand and then i think of blue chips those are the two things that i think of and i should think of more i should think of titles and you know whatever else but you know i think i mean he made those pleats sing in blue chips and i and i i i you know that that Did you say pleats that, yeah those pleats man those pleats the pleated were pants? singing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely Bobby was making them work for him I think you know
2: I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that, or talk about pleats in that fashion yeah I can't I can repeat you know, it was William Freakin passed away recently you know another That's blue true. chips tie you come to me for any kind of blue chips commentary I'm kind of a caricature of myself at this point but I do I can <sighs> replay in my mind now, I don't want any part of this his acting I thought <laughs> I thought he I thought he did a pretty good job but we're we're in the mood to talk history here so uh, we're gonna rattle off some of the. I filtered it for like MBA. You know, there are a lot of inductees every single year. I don't get terribly bent out of shape about like who gets welcomed in, just because I think we're past the point of it. Really, honestly, it doesn't matter in general, period. But I think we're past. It's so past the point of them being stringent or strict about it. I mean, Bill wrote a whole sure. book about how they weren't being strict about it. Obviously, right. So I, th- I think it's just to the point of. Uh, I don't don't take it super seriously, but I was going to ask you, you know, are you in any Hall of Fames? Like high school, like, you know, did you, did you crack that, that one? Did you, did you get into your high school's Hall of Fame, Tyler? I know you were a good player. That's why I was curious.
0: I don't know that my high school has a Hall of Fame. I'm on some, I'm on like a, this guy was an All-Stater, like a banner or whatever, but I would not like any. You have a banner back at your school? No I don't have a banner. I like I'm a I'm a name on a banner and then I'm in like a there's like a little wooden my like all state picture is in like a trophy case.
2: Hell, yeah. How how many names on the banner? How like is it I'm curious, oh, I don't know. I mean there's quite a Quite a few,
0: you know. For Gibson, we got a we got a nice little history of, of <laughs> we got a nice little basketball history.
2: You know, is that a big school though? Is that a big school?
0: Nah, not really. It's like it's 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 for uh, Oklahoma is like you know you go from basically class I think the lowest is class B and then it goes up to like now there's like a super six A or something like that. When I was around, it was just up to six A and we were a 4a team we were like a tiny town but had a bunch of feeder schools that were you know that were like k through seventh grade you know k through eight whatever that would then feed in and so it was like tiny town but like medium-sized school so it was like large school all none of this should make it large school all (laughs) state but uh but a town of two sets of stoplights essentially when i was there
2: sure a lot of classes for a place with no class. You know what I'm saying? Whoa, Oklahoma. Okay.
0: All right. Well, look. Hey.
2: Know. hunting, hunting for Kentucky
0: insults. Hunting for Kentucky
2: insults. Not what hard to find, find them. I'll, I'll diminish myself at any turn. Let's, uh, let's move <laughs> on to the, the actual me to why people are here before we get too in the weeds about uh, Tyler's uh, exposition. Our own history. Our
0: own histories.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, people are deathly fascinated with. So in this class, you know, some of the some of the big just sweeping it, doing an overview here. I mean, there's some big names here. I mean, honestly, these these are names that weren't like they're from sort of the middle tier of my basketball watching like adolescence, you know, like the 2000s guys are starting to move into that that bracket of being eligible. And we got some big names here. I mean, the first one here, Dirk Nowitzki being presented by Jason Kidd and Stephen Steven Nash. I don't even know why I was saying it. Steve Nash. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen is known to his parents. Dwayne Wade presented by Allen Iverson, who I'm taller than. I wanted to make a note of that. Greg Popovich, you know, the Admiral and, and Manu, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and then Pau Gasol and Tony Parker. So, and then Becky Hammond Who obviously broke some barriers there as uh, I think she was the first women's assistant. I'm trying to. I know it's in college we had some women's assistants.
0: I think you're right.
2: Yeah, yeah. So just going through here. I mean, let's uh, let's just talk about Dirk Nowitzki here. I mean, Dirk. You know, six all time in points with thirty one thousand five hundred and sixty. Obviously, he got a championship in 2012. A guy who's sort of like. You know, I've talked about this in some videos in the past, like really kick the door down in terms of we had shooting stretch bigs. We had we had bigs who could kind of get out on the floor and hit shots. You know, you had your Detlef shrimps. You had your Sam Perkins kind of evolved into that later in his career. Everybody always laughs. But like Dolph Shays back in the day was a big guy who could step out. I know that's a good that's a laugh. <laughs> Everybody loves Dolph. And it's his less... I'm going to use dolphin hoop grids uh, today. I'm going to try to figure out a way to do that, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody always forgets about Danny Shays. You know, a guy who plays <laughs> in the 80s. Danny Shays, another pool. When are we going to talk about Danny Shays? I've been pounding my fist about this for a while. He anyway, needs flowers. It's, in terms of the like, if you're... We talked about Yi and sort of Jin Lin and his... I always say his name wrong. And his sort of... The eye test, you know, the aesthetic eye test, the airport test, right? right? I feel like Danny's yeah. probably not up there. Him and like <laughs> like Chris Dudley's another one. You look at him and you're like, yeah, I mean, that guy yeah. kind of looks like he works at a car dealership, but he's like he's 6'11", 7 feet tall, you know?
0: That's, my, that's how I feel about John Barry. I feel about John Barry where like I look at John Barry and I'm like, you probably got a great barbecue spot somewhere, don't you, man? You probably like... <laughs> You're just wheeling and dealing in that smoker, I bet.
2: The um, nose, isn't that what they called him in the in the bench mob? Did I they called like John was, Barry the nose. I, I think would, that was I, his nickname.
0: I'm devastated the, to only just now be finding this out.
2: The Kings bench mob. I'm pretty sure that's a that's a pretty deep pull. But you know Dirk. I always said it was interesting because in that draft class in 98, I love the secrecy of how I was revisiting some of this stuff of like how he was discovered. How like, uh, and it's so different than it is now. You know, like the the access to video. I was making this joke on Twitter the other day about like how the draft, uh, like just the level of awareness is so much higher because of how easy video is. Like back in the day, it was like very cumbersome to come into to acquire something on video that was interesting. You know, like if you watched any of these like found footage documentaries where it was like literally there were these like networks of people who were like physically trading tapes and things like that. Dirk back in the day, you know, I I feel like the awareness of him is, is an interesting thing because... There's the story about, you know, the Nelson, Donnie and Don Nelson sneaking into a YMCA to watch him work out. And Don is immediately is like, oh, I knew he was an all-star. The level of feeling yourself to like watch a dude in, in a gym in a YMCA and be like, I knew he was an all-star. Don Nelson just... I mean, Don, just,
0: Don, Don, Don might have been lighting up at, in, the, in the rafters there, you know, and just trying to be like, look at this, look at this guy. Check out this big German here. I'm going to ride him <laughs> until the wheels fall off.
2: I mean, he's been on the right side of history a lot, but I always thought that, like, in terms of like power forwards, if you look in that draft, it was interesting because they made a deal with Milwaukee to get him. Dallas did, and Robert Tractor Trailer was the other piece taken, you know, taken ahead of him. That's just sort of an interesting sort of like point of divergence in how like basketball was viewed. If you think about like 1998. Dirk was seen as sort of like a novelty around that time, like in terms of like how he was playing that position.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like you go from, you know, a bull in a China shop to someone who's just going to kind of stay on the outskirts and let it fly. You know what I mean? Like he was such a weirdo when he got into the league based on, you know, I know, I know he sort of became a lot, moved a lot more stiff as he got older and he wasn't as as spry as he used to be but like i just remember early on thinking like this is a massive dude who looks very comfortable with the ball and he's got the proportions of someone who shouldn't be looking like that you know what i mean like he just didn't make sense to me and i remember thinking like i remember thinking i don't know how this guy is doing this cuz he's di- he's he's different than anybody really that's that's been around before i mean he wasn't like the you know he wasn't the level of playmaker that bird was right there wasn't like the like you know kind of like sauce on the passing or anything like that and i hate that i just went white to white with the comparison but you know whatever the biggest thing for me with dirk was like up to that point i just hadn't seen anybody shoot with that kind of freedom who was that kind of size. Yeah. And I think that it was like, you know, the the style that those Mavericks teams played, the way that Nelson let him play, they just sort of kept trying to show like, no, this dude is built different. Like, and, you know, he has his his issues in the in the late 2000s and stuff like that. The, you know, the We Believe Warriors, all that stuff. You know, the kind of collapse against the Heat in 2006 in the finals. But, he had like an I'm not going anywhere way about him, you know what I mean? And he was tough. Yeah. Yeah. And get getting to getting to watch him try to figure out like, oh, okay, this is how I can this is how I can dominate. You know, like like figuring out, like, oh, okay, I gotta be able to get into the post a little bit more. Like he was very he wound up being extremely adaptable, you
2: know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think something that's interesting about him, if you look if you go back and look at some of those Mavs teams, I mean, they were a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of like attempting threes, you know, they were fourth in the league in scoring in 2000-2001 here I've got this pulled up. And then by 0102 they're leading the league in scoring at at 105.2 and attempting, you know, and they're third in the league in attempting three. So they're aggressively hunting them. Something I brought up to you though that I thought was interesting what you mentioned bird obviously and that's bird's such an interesting animal in terms of like point guard skills on the floor for a player who doesn't dominate the ball. He and Magic, I think, were interesting in the fact that, you know, Magic was one side of the coin. He always had the ball. Bird was like coming off of the ball, and making kind of quick passes within the flow of their offense. But something yeah. that he something that Dirk and Bird had in common that I think is interesting is that we always think of them as these methodical Work your way to your spot, kind of playing in slow motion. Dirk had this sort of inevitability about him. Like it was like this immovability. You talked about how he was resilient. He was tough. I think he had to be to survive the way that he was playing, but he was actually pretty, like, he moved really well in those early days. Like, if you go back and watch some of those games from like 01, 02, 03 of Dirk, the big thing about him that really stood out even in that Hoop Summit game, you know, you see that he like set the record at the time. I think it was like 34 points in that game. But the reason that he did it was that he was taking these American bigs off the dribble because he was catching it from three and he was like drawing all these fouls. That, that was the big thing about him. And, and he sort of evolved into that like guy. You talked about the struggles they had in the playoffs. He evolved into this guy that had this back-to-the-basket game because he had this gigantic frame. I I just think it's interesting how his evolution, I mean, he added the postgame later on and and, and just became this unstoppable force with his back-to-the-basket game.
0: The the lasting sort of Dirk image to me is Game 1 of the 2011 Western Conference Finals whenever they played the Thunder, and that's you know, the team that I'm a fan of. And I I really don't think I've ever felt more helpless as a fan. <laughs> I mean, it was like, I, he he goes, he, he went 12 for 15 from the field. He didn't even have to take a three. He was 12 for 15 from the field. He had 48 points. He was 24 for 24 from the line. And just like complete torture doesn't even begin to describe the stuff that he was doing to Ibaka and Collison, they threw cephalosia on him. Nothing. I mean, it was just like the amount. Uh, it was just like mid post stuff. Just face up and just eat. And it was. I, I. I've. I've never. I've never felt so just like, man. We. That we can't do anything here. Like there's not. There's there's nothing to be done
2: here. It kind of reminds me of the conversations we were having about Wimby during the offseason where we were like, well, you know, he's pretty vulnerable cuz he's pretty upright in traffic. You know, you you have these awesome ball skills that show up in a frame that isn't normally there. By now we've we have seen that. But when a guy's right. that big and and like, you know, he's Wimby can get low with his dribble, but it, that evolution to like, okay, he doesn't have to dribble to his spots. Like we can we can yeah. just sort of like put him in his spot. And you really can't do anything about it in terms of like him getting to his shot. I think that's that's an interesting parallel between those two guys.
0: Dirk was just so smart too. I mean, like with the like the lifts in the mid post, like, you know, leaning in, catching a body, fading away a little bit, and you know, hitting it. I mean, he like the number of times he did that, especially is you sort of got later on in his career and stuff like he really felt like a, a dominant kind of post force there for a little while just because of how inevitable the jumper started feeling but yeah i mean when they won it in 2011 and he immediately sprints off the court because he's knows he's going to be so emotional and he wants to just have that moment by himself hey i don't think i've ever seen anybody do that in any winning any championship i don't think i've ever seen that and. I remember thinking this is very odd and then quickly shifting to this is awesome because he like this, the the amount of self-awareness to have in that moment, you know, like the thing you've been gunning for your whole life, you got, and you got it because of you, you are the, the reason. And to know like, no, I got to go take this time and just like scream in the bathroom for a little while. (laughs) Like that, that's, that made me i that re, I really like i went to a new level of you know affection for 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 dirk there just cuz it was like it was a true fuck the cameras moment
2: he never had that like marketing yeah that's something about dirk is that like whenever you would see him it was he never had that like i need to market myself of course of course he was never really like a a candidate to be like a shoe company, like the main the main gun for, sure. for like a shoe, but it, he you never got that vibe from him of like he always had a sense of humor about himself. You you always balance that line between like vul- It's weird. We we penalize some guys for their vulnerability. Like Rudy Gobert starts crying about, and everybody's just like, "Give me a fucking break with this guy." You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and Joel starts crying after the after they lose, and it's right. it is an interesting balance between we. We like the vulnerability but there is like a spot a spot where I don't know that maybe maybe it's just that Rudy has some intrinsic like annoying quality that that Dirk doesn't where we're harder on him than we are on Dirk.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, Dirk did his fair share of of flailing, but you know, the like <laughs> oh. I don't know that he, I, but but I don't know like, you know, he didn't play as weak as Gobert plays with the ball, you know what I mean? Like Dirk, sure. Dirk was Dirk, you know, he had to he had to get tougher as his career went on, but then he, you know, he he, and I and I I imagine probably his whatever softness that was attributed to his game early on some of it warranted but some of it was also like the american public trying to come to terms with like how to deal with this european who's good at basketball and it's like well let's let's pick at this wound until it starts bleeding you know what i mean like this here's here's the weakness Oh, they're soft okay great let's just let's just pound that until uh, you know uh, the cows come home i remember watching it was late in his career. I don't remember what year, but and Kobe was still around, but he was he was sitting out. He was in street clothes, and Dirk hit that winner in LA, mm-hmm. and and like kind of patted Kobe sort of on the thigh because he fell into the bench a little bit, and Kobe kind of patted him on the butt or whatever, and yeah. they like had a little moment there, and then the Lakers called timeout, and I forget who it was even Garden Dirk during that shot, but Kobe just kind of looks at the guy and goes, tough shot.
2: yeah (laughs) he's he's one of the all-time like throw your hands up guys like the inevitability totally like the inevitability of what he did it's like you can you can you see some of the best defenders in the world and he's coming at him and he's just got that flamingo legged fade yeah he just can't do a lot about it another thing too is like he really ushered in i think an era of out of the box like People becoming more open to... And I want. I, we obviously have to move on to these other guys. We're talking. I love Dirk. It's easy to talk about him. I can talk about no, him all yeah, day. Well,
0: I mean, he was a trendsetter too. Like, he, like it was exactly what you are Like, you talk about that leg shot. Like, Durant obviously implemented that pretty much straight away. And you see all other bigs trying out... you trying to figure out their versions of it. Even some, you know, like, dudes that aren't, you know, 6'10 and slithery, right? Like, you see some of these, like hyper-athletic, you know, two, three swing dudes that that try to get guys down into the post and kind of try to get a little bit of space with the leg too. Like it's, I think a lot of kids will come into the league now being like Durant, especially these tall guys that can handle it and stuff that will say like, Durant is my favorite player. Durant's the guy I watch, Durant, Durant, Durant. And that's all very earned on Durant's part. But Durant was watching a lot of Dirk. And yeah. like, that was like a guy that he patterned a lot of his, stuff. he's on record as having said that he, you know, watched him and, 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 and tried to steal from him and stuff. And so I think, you know, I, I think Dirk is the godfather of the unicorns in some way, like at least the modern day ones, the guys that could do, you know, cause he could do more than just shoot in the end. Sure. Like he was, he could put it on the floor and do some stuff. So I, no, I mean, I think he's, I think he's worth all the, all the fuss, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And like you said, I think, I think it's spot on before we move on and talk about Wade. I I think it's spot on that, like, well, like I was saying, he, he ushered in Holger is the other guy that is the part of this story. He was the guy that trained him from, (laughs) and Holger's got all these, you know, out, out of the box. Like he, you know, wants him to listen to jazz, wants him to, he's just sort of, he's a, he's a mad scientist a little bit, but a lot of the, like his teaching methods Adam Harrington, the guy that played with—I uh, I mean, I've talked about this in videos—who played with Dirk in Dallas and got c- close with him, he went and went to the source and like took all that info from from Holger and worked with KD in the summers. I think it was like 2014, somewhere in there. And then and then KD goes to this similar thing of like, okay, I want to add this part to my game. That's going to be a right. facet that's going to be hard to deny. So, and I, I've made this joke too that like you know Nike put out this like signature move series where they were like going to each player and be like hey what's your signature move and K- KD did his and it's just like I'm, I'm not saying KD did this but whoever produced that video is probably guilty of this they totally passed it off as if that was KD's signature thing and I was just like Dirk and Holger should be like cease and desist buddy you know like yeah. I mean Dirk's even a Nike guy I don't know how they allowed that to happen I just always thought that was hilarious
0: I mean you got you have to because you found this and you put it in the doc, you gotta tell the, just the the thing about Holger's jeans. Like oh, Welling <laughs> People, Anybody that hasn't read read this ne- oh. needs to know about the legacy of well, Holger's jeans.
2: Oh well Holger yeah, I also put in our in our document there's a clip of Dirk in like a full full warm up uniform wearing foam posits, with that which I thought was incredible. I never looking I great, never
0: Looking th- great in the foams. The, never like thought the, I'd the, look, see like, that. The royal blue, beautiful, shining foams.
2: Didn't strike me as a foams guy, but I I thought that needed to be documented. Uh, The other thing was, too, is just that they were talking about... Donnie Nelson was talking about Holgers had these jeans that he'd had since 1973 and that he still wears today. (laughs) A, I think the... I was just gonna say the the waistband of those jeans has to be worn out. I I don't know. He's gotta. I'm sure he seems to me like a braided belt guy. Like Holger seems like he'd have oh, a braided sure. belt that's way too big. He would have
0: fit. He would have. He would have fit in at any any uh, any church youth group in the 1990s. 1000. <laughs>
2: percent But I'm just saying, 73 is a long time. I'm just curious if this is like um, I don't know. It just got me thinking. I don't. I don't think I've ever had any pair of pants. Maybe if it, it speaks to Holger's his his sort of uh, his health. Maybe he you know he or he stretched them out over time. It's it's a fascinating thing. I've never had a pair of pants that long.
0: He's clearly a work smarter, not harder kind of guy. He's not you know you're not going to get a lot of scuffs on those. He's not the one doing the dribbling, right? He's telling Dirk, Hey, go spin around five times and shoot a shot, and I'll I'll rebound it. You know if I if I get there, right? Like I'm I'm not 50 years old. I don't think I own anything that's 50 years old. I would love to get a good look at those jeans and see, I would like, if, if, you know, Holger, if you're listening, <laughs> now, I'm not going to read my address out here, but like, you know, come find me on uh, one of the many awful social media sites. Uh, and uh, I would love to just, just take a pic of them. I don't even need to, I don't even need to come, you know, you're, you're, you're a person, you don't send know a me, pic. but yeah, yeah. just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, send a pic buddy. because I yeah. the, it's. You talk about commitment to an aesthetic and just like, well, why would I get new jeans? These still, these don't have holes in them and they fit me. I don't need new jeans. I'll get new jeans when they don't, when, when they stop working. I really, it sucks that he's not around anymore, that that we're not getting to see him much anymore. I mean, maybe, do you think he'll wear the jeans to the Hall of Fame induction series? Holger's got got to be there,
2: right? He has to. He has to. He's an an important piece here to this story. He should wear
0: the jeans, he should wear the jeans with like, a. he should honestly just wear the jeans, the flannel and the leather jacket. He should just do that. He should just sort of be the cartoon character that we want him to be in in our heads. But I think that Dirk would appreciate that.
2: I think so too. I think so too. So speaking of another guy that was sort of a nemesis for for Dirk at different times, somebody that ran up against, you know, in the in the in the finals, uh, you know, the Heat. The Heat and the Mavs obviously squared off in that finals in, in eleven. Just before they, you know, the Heatles broke through, and LeBron had to do some adjusting of his own and move to the post. It always kind of follows the same script. It's just like, okay, I face the basket, I had the post, you know, if, or if yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, know, it's it, it's an interesting.
0: Well, I think it's that, and I think it's like, oh, I'm not using all the tools in my tool belt here. There's this advantage that I have that I'm just using, you know, sparingly. And if I go down into the post and and actually employ this size I've been given, then I can do more damage. I think it's like a you're trying to get by on not doing everything you can.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about how uh, you made me think of like Shea has a little bit of that. I was thinking about a da- downhill. He he weirdly has a little back to the basket, but Shea is yeah. actually has some similarities, I feel like, in terms of like driving angularity to the next guy that we're going to talk about who says that Allen Iverson influenced him. I'm sure that's true in terms of like, his like off the dribble bag, but that's Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade, I was saying my relationship with just like following him reaches all the way back to my awareness of him in terms of like access to cable TV. I feel like his games were probably on like Fox Sports or something back in the day when he was at Marquette. Didn't catch right, a right. lot of, well, they were Conference USA too at one point. And you weren't you know, catching the, a lot
0: of FS Milwaukee telecasts or anything? No, you know? not a ton. you <laughs> know yeah.
2: So, yeah, like early on, I think my awareness of him was like, and I this is, again, talking about like seeing an awareness, like uh, a, an awareness of players just changes over the years. Like I knew that he was out there. I'd read about Dwayne Wade. I was following his career, at, you know, I, uh, not seeing whole games at that point. But this was a specific window in time where I'm like downloading highlights of players on Kazaa. I don't know if you ever went through this phase. <laughs>
0: I did not go through this phase, but only because my parents were afraid of the internet. So I see,
2: I see, and
0: and now they're you know I'm sure. Well, let's just keep going.
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Waz and I have talked about this. So you were always to catch to keep up on basketball players at that time. You were always running the risk of giving your computer cancer. So there was always that. (laughs) I was catching a lot of Dwayne Wade, but obviously he he breaks into my life in glorious fashion when he just absolutely. Flamethrower destroys Kentucky in a regional final. One of the worst days of my fandom life. I still contend no one was beating Marquette on that day. Uh, they were incredible. He was also wearing some of the best team
0: Nikes that were around in the 2000s. I forget even the name of them. But as I <laughs> as I think about it, they were shocks, right? Was I don't think shocks? they were. I don't man. Let's go to the let's go let's go to the phones. Let's see.
2: So Wade Wade comes on the scene, comes into the league. He's Obviously, we don't have to recap his whole career here, but in the broad sense, uh, successful really early on. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, was was kind of ascended to become the leader of that Miami team really quickly. Um, you know, obviously hit like a, a series winning shot early in his career, kind of some parallels to, to Lillard there, but... I'd say, you know, over the course of his career, 13-time All-Star, 8-time All-NBA, 3-times All-Defense, 3 NBA NBA titles, he's 32nd all-time in scoring. That number would probably be be higher if his body had held up a little more. A lot of injury history with him, but he's 31st in steals all-time and 47th in assists. Really disruptive. Uh, The thing that strikes me is just like... I really think Dwayne Wade is one of the all-time fluid movers with the ball in his hands. Like, and I me- I mentioned Shea. Yes, man, his ability to get low and wide and cut—he almost he just had like a running back quality to him, like going to the basket. It just seemed like he, he he was just so smooth with the ball in his hands.
0: He was one of those dudes that moved like a leopard. You know what I mean? Like he like him and Kobe, Jordan Wade would throw some like. Odd, I think he use the word like herky-jerky kind of moves, you know what I mean, in there. Like he could kind of funk up his rhythm a little bit and Euro and take these long strides and kind of speed up the frame rate sometimes, you know what I mean? And so it wouldn't look smooth all the time, but it almost felt like that was kind of by design on his part, you know what I mean? Like going back and watching clips of him, just the body controls out of, out, it's just out of this world. He's so strong. Like, you forget just how strong he was. And he obviously got stronger over the course of his career, but you just forget how hell bent he could be on getting to the rim and either, you know, putting Vera Zhao in a body bag like he did that one time. Or, you know, he's got some of the, you know, better non Jordan acrobatic finishes that you're ever going to see. He had one against the Pacers. It was bonkers one year. One early on against, I think it was McDice and against the Pistons, kind of like coming like right to left across the lane and, you know, getting around Rip, Hamilton, and sort of floating across the lane in front of McDice, who tries to slide in late, gets called for a block, and Wade is like on the other side of the lane, on the left side of the lane, the left side of the rim, and kind of finishes back behind his body yeah, with the right right hand. You know what I mean? And it's kind of, it's like stuff like that where you're just like, this is another level of like in air control, you know, like, and yeah, just some of the, some of the stuff that he could do. I mean, and obviously like that got amplified once LeBron got there, the stuff that they did together. I think there was so much frustration from NBA fans about like, oh man, why are you making it? where y'all are so good now yeah. like, and you know what I mean like and and so you did there wasn't there probably wasn't enough appreciation from the like the NBA NBA fans at large for just how cool <laughs> some of the <laughs> shit they were doing with honestly and I, I say that as like myself who was like you know I, I was pumped up whenever they were struggling out of the gate you know in 2010 too you know what I mean like I was like I I, I was I was absolutely one of those heat haters that was like okay good you know, maybe talent won't win out. You know, but it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they—they, they, <laughs> I—I still think about that against one of those shit Lakers teams that Wade's leading the break, and he comes in, and you think he's just going to kind of leave it for LeBron, like they always would, and. Sort of, uh, I it didn't even really make sense. It looked like it was going to be a bad play, but he threw it off the backboard. And LeBron, yeah. it felt like he was expecting it to just come right back to him, like a lot of those other ones do. And LeBron finishes it one handed with the left.
2: Yeah. You know, oh, I know the one you're talking about. He just kind of, yeah, it's like just a quick, a quick guide into the basket. Yeah.
0: And it's just like, you know, Wade's move to do that off the backboard is like, that's the stuff that needs to be celebrated. That's the stuff Mm. like there are plenty of things need to be celebrated, but I love players that are like, there's a crowd here. Let's like, they want to see us do some wild shit. Let's put on a show. Like, let's, (laughs) I I could, I could throw this back to you for an alley-oop that we've completed so many times, or we could get a little fun. And especially once LeBron got there and stuff like there were grading parts of it, the not six, not seven, not eight, all that little, all the fire, you know, explosions and stuff on that. But like, that's it. Like, I liked that he was a little... That he that he that he got too big for his britches and got a lack some self awareness and starts making fun of Dirk for for being sick in that finals and then Dirk gets to come back and shove it in their face like I let's we need more players to put themselves
2: out there like that, so that <laughs> for the drama so that, at least yes yeah.
0: absolutely that's what's good about that's what's good about Booker right like there is there's there's a there's plenty of self awareness there but there's also some stuff like dude you're gonna get too big for your shorts here. And something bad's going to happen, like with the Lucas stuff or whatever, right? Like, he was always, always, it seemed like, playing to the crowd. And, yeah, just had, had, a, had a sense for how to really, like, make a building explode, you know?
2: Yeah. I, I really think some of his, uh, and before we move on here, like, I just think a couple, one thing that I wanted to talk about here was just that, like, this evolution of the scoring shooting guard sort of having... Having the outlet of playmaking, and you saw some of those teams like like the 0809 team is sort of the the wine bottle if you want to use that terminology. It was sort of the his tippy top like you know iteration. You know in that season he aver- he led the league in scoring thirty point two. He averaged two point two steals, carried a big usage rate at thirty six point two, but seven and a half assists, and he hit a ten point six box plus minus mark, which was the se- twenty second highest mark ever for a single season, but. I think some of his totals would have been different A because of the health but also because he had that malleability. Once once LeBron came, they paired well together because LeBron was a little was the chess master, one of the all-time chess masters, could pick you apart, could look at what you're doing and just say, "Cool, I'm going to I'm going to manipulate what you're doing and move you." Wade had that unstoppable inevitability to his scoring, but he also he over the course, I feel like as well as any scoring shooting guard ever without being like a full-blown chess player playmaker, really got a good feel for using the pressure of his scoring and knowing where sort of the outlets were, the pressure valves were, to. And I think that's a big reason why they became, you know, the point guards on those Miami Heat teams were good. You know, Chalmers was a good player during that time, but they were sort of just – facilitators, they had different roles with those two guys, you know, based on the playmaking dynamic that they have between them.
1: This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for $5 chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy.
2: just for listening to us talk about basketball not bad right you don't need more than one line of wireless to save just switch to visible at visible.com and use promo code ringer20 for data management practices in additional terms visit visible.com the visible monthly rate is $25 per month
0: wade was so you talk about like him as sort of like an underrated playmaker like when you like going back and looking at old clips of him and stuff like he was really good at getting, you know, at pulling a second defender and getting them to commit and, and, and getting them to come like, you know, making them think he's going to shoot it right up until he doesn't. And then making these like, you know, passes two and three guys away to the other corner or to the opposite wing or something like that. There was – you talk about those release valves. He just knows where people are going to be. There was – he felt like one of those guys that, like, you know, a great, like, option quarterback or something like that who could, like, get past That's a good comparison. That's a good comparison, like
2: an option quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah, he could get past one level of a defense and then get to – either get to the big that's having to come over or just not even getting to him but getting deep enough that he knows that the big's going to have to start and that other defender on the opposite side is going to have to drop to take care of the big that is going to is releasing to come get him and then he hits it i mean it's and then with those heat teams too like they just especially when they have bosch at the 5 you've got even though Wade was never I mean, the one thing he couldn't ever do great was shoot, right? At least from three. But that like you had pretty much all five guys out there that could do something with the ball if they got it, make a decision. And it just made it so hard on defenses that were especially at that point a lot a lot of defenses still trying to play with old model lineups, right? Like there's in the in the in the the in these finals, you know, against Perkins and Ibaka, right? Like it's, you know, it, it just making that defense kind of dead to rights before things even start, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like Wade was one of those guys that like, I think because he was so good on defense too, he could just feel all the more overwhelming. Like there's those two, there's a there's a play that was like, I think it was like the 04, 05 season, one of early seasons, but it was against the It was an ESPN game against the Suns and Amare had the ball like clock running down at the end of the third and Wade just goes up middle of the lane and just takes it takes the shot out of Amare's hands like just like damn near cups the ball out of his hands and takes a few dribbles and launches something from around half court that goes in. And it's just one of those things where, like the shot, you know, the shot sort of feels like okay, like there's some luck there, but it's there was it wasn't the same thing, but like in like that 0809 season that you're talking about, where he was just felt like some people thought he should he could have won the MVP that year, you know, the yeah. it, like he had a play against the Bulls in double overtime, John Salmons had the ball and he was like trying to take maybe. UD off I don't remember but the 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 announcers that are doing the game are like the bulls have to like this matchup and then <laughs> Wade come Wade's just sort of slinking off of his guy slowly and waits for salmons to kind of get too occupied with his own move and then comes over takes it from salmons dribbles to the other end of the floor and hits a running three with no time left on the clock to beat the buzzer and win in double overtime then he goes and jumps on top of the scores table and starts shouting like, this is my shit. This is my city. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like it's like
2: iconic image from his career for sure. Yeah. Totally.
0: I, like there were it's just like he could do stuff that you felt him sort of everywhere all his influence was all over the court I think just because of the athlete he was and because he actually used that stuff to his advantage also on defense too. You know what I mean? Like he was just those heat teams were hell early yeah. on like as to 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 try to move the ball against
2: yeah, very disruptive. Yeah, well, let's we'll, we'll move on here to, to talk about uh, the, the last two. I'm going to lump Tony Parker and, and Greg Popovich together. You know, Popovich yeah. obviously had uh, honestly a pretty interesting arc. I've talked about. He started at this very small school called Pomona Pitzer. Uh, took a, took a, he, his sort of path towards like networking in in the coaching world was really interesting. He takes a sabbatical. You can go read about this. Meets up with like connects with these guys, Larry Brown, Dean Smith. He eventually ends up on staff with with the Warriors and Don Nelson during those, you know, mid to early 90s teams. And then moves over to the Spurs, gets connected. Uh, he You'll even hear him just by his own, you know, he obviously was a brilliant mind in the game and everything and then ends up with with uh, connecting up with, with Duncan and they just kind of go on this ride, this incredible ride. And, you know, they draft, talking about the international game, the Spurs obviously very ahead in terms of like, Scouting and having like a heightened awareness. Dirk caused some sort of like Euro panic, I feel like, or just some like stupid <laughs> Euro mimicry. Where there are these just guys in Europe that are good, we can just get one, and they would just assume that would work. Whereas the Spurs were a lot more like, well, this they were just kind of ahead of the game. I feel like in terms of, and Popovich w- was a big part of that about bringing those guys in and getting great value on a lot of them. But yeah,
0: yeah, no, I mean, I like, I think Dirk was definitely like a oh, we got to go get us one of those.
2: <laughs> There's just more of them over there for sure. I think that they got yeah. a lot, they
0: probably got a lot of them, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then Tony Parker, obviously. Like, Tony Parker was never, I feel like, do you ever think he was the best point guard in the league? I mean, he played, during a, he played during an era where we just had a lot of great point guards.
0: I don't think he was ever the best point guard in the league, but I, you know, like, for what they needed him to be, he was incredible. I mean, I, I still think about that, like, because there was, you know, there was that, I forget how, how well-founded the rumors were, but wasn't there all that talk after one of those seasons that the Spurs were going to try to go get Jason Kidd or trade for Jason Kidd or something like that? And they yeah. sort of like the Spurs sort of, you know, brain trust was just sort of decided, no, well, let's just, let's ride this French kid and, and and you know, see if we can't go get, you know, some more. And so, it, it that, you know, that I think that that is, you know, it's a, that's, a, that's a testament to the talent that Parker had and how dangerous he could be and also to just Popovich and them kind of knowing like no we got a we got a good thing here let's not let's not get tempted by something sexier here just because you know he's been to a couple finals you know what i mean
1: yeah
2: yeah for not ever being like ostensibly the the best in the league he just he fit so well with those teams just with his rim pressure and then you have Overall, just the cumulative passing of those teams, man. I mean, if you think about the later ones, obviously, everybody always points to Diao and stuff like that. But, I mean, just having a de facto guy who is a secondary playmaker. I feel like Manu, you know, who went into the league, went into the hall last year, yeah. they just had a lot of cumulative passing with Tim Duncan. And then you have – the big thing about Parker that I remember is just that, like, he was just this – he always – Seemed to be shooting a layup, and I would be, yeah. in in like, you never, he was one of the all-time, like, how is this guy shooting a layup? Like, it just, there was no way to stop him. He, he almost had, like, a second down back way of, like, getting his shoulder under the the defender, and he, sneaky, yeah. strong, I feel like. He just, he always had this, like, creative finishing ability. Just this really, we keep saying this word inevitable, but man, just, like, an inevitable presence around the rim for his size. And really, ne- he, was, he was a below-the-rim finisher, too.
0: Yeah, the quickness and just like fearlessness and like constant commitment to trying like I'm going to get there. Like maybe not this possession, but the next I'm like I'm 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 going to keep coming. Like it's not going to it's it is it, I'm not going to stop. There was something that was I just he was just well, especially when Manu was out there, he was just such a Manu was there. Was was so just like manic and wild and free flowing, and would try things. And Duncan was this next level talent, right? And 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 his his own kind of very methodical and cerebral and everything like that. And there was something very like utilitarian about Parker. He, you know, the the, the finishes weren't going to be like double clutchy or like going for like big points from the judges. You know what I mean? Like it was going to be like, uh... he was just going to get it done.
2: You talked about Wade having that showmanship thing to it. It's like Parker never really. Of course, I mean, I I feel like Manu was probably the only guy of that core that was kind of like, let me put a little extra sauce. It kind of reminds me of like the way, this is a sneaky one. It reminds me of those jazz teams that were so efficient and just, you know, they had this thing that worked really well, this machine that every, the Spurs had an incredible run of like, they were the gatekeepers of legitimacy in the west they had their peaks where that like where they were like working but it was always right. like their their thing worked so well year in and year out in large part because of parker that it was like oh this this up and coming young team it was like the warriors the thunder I, and it went yeah. i mean it went on even in, in the mid teens years where it was like all right well are you going to be able to beat the spurs and it was always a tough question because of every single year but like it reminds me of um Hornacek was sneaky, flashy. Like people don't really. I, if you didn't watch this, him,
0: I, I this I don't remember this. I don't remember <laughs>
2: this part. Well, he had he had a, a little extra sauce. I know this is going to sound insane to some people, but like that's what it kind of reminds me of. That like it, it, the guy with the sort of the the haircut of like every dad <laughs> in the late nineties actually had a little bit of extra sauce in there. I, don't, I forget <laughs> what the c- cuts he called, but uh, the Spurs, yeah, just. Um, just as, just a as sort of a, an immovable force you know in the for a long time a pretty incredible uh run of, of longevity there as a, as a core do you,
0: do you remember that you know, i forget what the what the campaign was but it was one of the like the nba it wasn't like where amazing happens but it was like one of those like i think it was going into the playoffs maybe it was they, they would but they would clip these you know specific individual plays from certain teams and they would put they would they would, it would be like the phantom camera it would be like super slow-mo and there would be some song playing underneath and there's a there's one of those commercials of the spurs and it's just the 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 song is uh is shook ones part two yeah by mob deep and it's it's one of the best commercials that i've I bet ever seen it's on youtube seen. it has to I'm be i'm sure it is you know it's one of it's one of those possessions where just like Parker and Duncan and Manu and like, I think they had D out at that point. It was so good for them. And like another French dude that, you know, I'm sure Parker was whispering in his ear, like, no, just put the baguette down. Have a piece of celery. It'll be okay, Boris. Like we'll get, we'll, we'll have some, <laughs> we'll have some, we'll have some good wine later. Just, you know, we need you for tonight. But yeah, I just, it was that commercial to me. I think a lot about that commercial. Anytime I think about those Spurs teams, because it was just like, like, you know, ruthless efficiency total like the 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 execution like
2: so like the Spanish Inquisition basically right is that what you <laughs> <laughs> thank you yes
0: that's what I was looking for
2: yeah right well I just thought of that I thought of the Monty Python sketch sorry not to yeah. step no on no, my no no joke no, no. Uh, we got we got to talk about Gasol and then we got to get out of here we're going long we always do this Tyler Pau Gasol sorry enters enters the league. I, I mean, he's one of the cases of the like the Euro guys filtering into the league during that time. It starts to become more of a thing. I'm going to remember Gasol for obviously for his stuff with Kobe. I feel like his presence in the international game elevated all of basketball. Like in terms of like the FIBA, yeah. the FIBA showdowns. I remember I can, I can remember like some of the some of the basketball games that I looked forward to the most intensely were those were those like metal round showdowns with the US teams. And 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 I feel Absolutely. like he he shifted basketball in a way where it was just like we knew we could lose to Argentina. It's not like we hadn't tasted, I'm saying we as an American here, we it's not like we hadn't tasted yeah. humble pie. We had. But once we got yeah. our shit together, you know, he the Gasol brothers, that all that Spanish talent, but Powell was this guy that it was just like, even if we send our best, we know Paul Gasol is a force that could still beat us. And I, and I just think, yeah, uh, as a passer, as a scorer, I just think Gasol is one of the all-time, like, even though he wasn't, like, a total, like, full-load superstar, just an incredible talent in terms of ball skills at his position.
0: Those those Lakers teams would run four or five pick-and-rolls, and they'd or invert it with him and Lamar Odom, at, like, around the foul line, and it would just confuse the shit out of people. And mm-hmm. you know that that was that was well before you know Biggs had much of a sense for how to you know uh, cover both spots in the pick and roll, right? It would just like like you talk about the ball skills and stuff like that. Like there was a lot of playmaking with Powell, and I think his was you know he was another guy where like you know you you would try to figure out like okay is this guy or is this guy soft or is he just different like am i you know like what like what is he just new or is he or is there you know and, and i think he wound up proving in the end that like you know he like i mean i know that kobe you know the the stories are that kobe kind of toughened him up and stuff but i mean you know the the lakers don't win those two titles in in oh, no. in the end w- w- without him at all i mean he's got he, he has that huge double clutch shot i think in the in the second when they wanted in yeah. yeah, against the the Celtics, and and it, that was against. Am I am I losing my mind?
2: No, you're right. 08-09 yeah, yeah. was the Magic. 0, 9 10 was was the right, Celtics. right,
0: right, right, right. And just like giving it to Garnett, and and you know, like the, sort of the most kind of like I will roar at you and show you how tough I am. You know what I mean? <laughs> like and 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 sort of everybody, you know, Garnett has this you know, longstanding, you know, reputation of, of, you know, just being completely grimy and like, you know, doing whatever it takes and, you know, tough beyond belief and all that. And Pal went toe to toe with him, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah, I mean, I like, there's the, there, there are the aspects of Pal too, just like he's, he's clearly such an, like, he'll go to the opera, you know, he's just like (laughs) an oddball. It's been, you know, really kind of Eye-opening and uh, and moving at times to see what a relationship he has with you know the Bryant family still and the way that mm-hmm. him and his wife have sort of it seems like at least been there for for Vanessa and those girls right now and and he he just uh, yeah there's like a there's like a very um. There's something very gentlemanly about him.
2: We'll put that on his plaque. I think that should be in the copy, in the body copy. I think it's, hopefully it'll stay on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When that trade went down, like, did you have any sense that that he was, like, what, do you remember having an opinion on it?
2: I just thought it was a steal. I mean, like I thought it was a yeah. pillaging. Uh, you're talking about him to the Lakers, obviously, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, it, once once those two were teamed up, yeah, I was I was a, I was a big Saul fan uh, on both ends of the floor. Yeah, just the, the, in the twin big thing that they had going on there. But yeah, um, it, that's uh, so that's that's uh, the gist of the Hall of Fame class. Any other? There's some other news here that we could uh, that we could hit on, but we don't have time. You know, Steph obviously singing pair We were going to talk about. uh, We were going to talk about you know other other players being lead singers in bands. We don't have time to do it. You know, there's it's been it's a slow time. Karis Lavard had a you know ninety three thousand dollar watch stolen. Tough beat for him. Dwight Howard officiating weddings. Anyway, Tyler, it was good to see you. I'm sure you're you're uh, enjoying your off season, just sort of like staring at your Chet Holmgren poster and yeah you know no, I'll, it's, I'll, I'll,
0: the the poster the poster looks great it's i i am waiting to get it framed i got to make more money before i can get it framed because it's so tall and to get anything framed it costs uh, sure. it costs a, a, around 500,000 dollars it seems like these days so sure. i you know i'm i'm still uh, still still scrapping this scratch together for that but um no i mean the you know the biceps are looking great you know the tries obviously <laughs> looking a little the triceps are looking a little bit better than the biceps, um, and we're still trying to work on the calves. But uh, you know, yeah, it's uh, we're I'm I'm, I I'm a, pleased with the poster.
2: I need a muscle group by muscle group breakdown from you of <laughs> just sort of. I need you to wax poetic on that.
0: <laughs> I start look I start looking for any good things, and I'm like, dude, I saw I got caught a glimpse of the quads yesterday in one of the uh,
2: <laughs> in one of those. It's, it's a little pixelated, looking but pretty good. Uh, I don't want to say we can jump to conclusions, but. You know. Anyway, I think people Uh, are going
0: to have a hard time pushing him off of a spot. You know.
2: (laughs) Tyler, (laughs) it was uh, it was good to see you. Go buy Tyler's book. Good to good to drop back in. Thanks to Jade Whaley for uh, for for producing us. Uh, Always does a good job. Yes, and uh, thanks to everybody. And Ben Cruz, we will catch you soon. Uh, Stay tuned. We're going to keep having stuff in the off season. Uh, I got some projects I'm working on that hopefully come out soon. But uh, Tyler, it's good to see you. Catch you all next time. Later. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th
1: and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was
0: amazing.